The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Intuitive Connection, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. So hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection. Today we have a guest for you and one that I'm really, really, really excited to connect with. And I do this every single time because I never think to ask how to pronounce a name before we go live. It's like every episode. So anyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm always asking how to pronounce your name. So it's Scott Stabile. Perfect. Stabile. Yeah. All right. So we have Scott Stabile, who is a writer, love activist, and breath work guide. And I have a feeling so much more. And I got to know Scott and Scott's work through mutual friends, Jacob Nordby, who was a guest on this show, Lisa McCourt, who was a guest on this show. And I had the opportunity to co-teach with him at a virtual retreat not so long ago with It's the Center for Creative Living. Yeah. Okay, good. I don't want to get that wrong either. So anyway, so we got to connect through that as well. And I popped on for a few minutes of Scott's amazing self-love workshop. that as well. So I'm just excited that we get to chat. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much, Victoria. And you just wrote a book. Is it pretty recent? I just read a book. No, it actually came out in 2017. Yeah. So it's been almost five years. All right. Depending on what, I mean, in the realm of life, that's pretty recent. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a couple of confessions to make. One, I don't always read the books of the people that are guests on our show. Sometimes I just want to have a conversation. Sometimes I feel drawn to the book and everything in between. But I happened to be crystal shopping um, at a new store in Carlsbad, California last Friday. And yeah, your book was like right there on the shelf. They only had, it wasn't a big bookstore. They probably had like a dozen books and yours was one of them. So I said, I guess I need to read his book then. (laughs) That's awesome. I love hearing that. That's nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah. So A, your book is obviously getting out there and getting into people's hands and B, it got into my hands and I really (laughs) enjoyed it so far. I haven't finished. And and I was telling Scott before we went live that I was almost late for this interview because I got so absorbed in the book. So um, you guys are going to want to check it out. And as always, all the information will be in the show notes and we'll we'll hit this up at the end as well. Thank you. It's called Big Love. (laughs) The one you're... Yes, it's called Big Love. So let's talk about the guy, Scott Stabile, who writes a book called Big Love. Okay. 
What do you want to What do you want to know about? <laughs> what do I want to know? What What brought you to that point where you're writing that book and you call yourself a love activist, which is one of the favorite answers I've gotten to my little podcast interview since I've been doing this for two years. Yeah, you know, I was never a person who knew how to talk about what I do, as maybe many kind of healers have that situation. And a friend referred to me as a love activist. And I loved it. I'm like, I'll own that. That feels totally right on. And for me, what that means is just someone who makes a lot of noise for the power of love in our world and in our lives. And I definitely do that. I would say that's what I give most of my energy to in terms of the writing I do or the speaking I do. It's always coming back to love and what we can create in our own lives from a loving place. And when I speak about love, I'm talking about love is the umbrella that holds kindness and compassion and forgiveness and authenticity and all these things that are, you know, rooted in love. So big love was kind of a, na- a natural extension of my writing. And it was born of a lot of uh, social media posts and really diving deeper into some of the posts that were really resonating with people. And it's just a bunch of personal essays about, you know, my life and moments in life when I felt off center or pulled from my center and what I did to kind of get myself back. And love was, was the through line, you know, and and just to be clear, Victoria, I think sometimes people tune out when someone's just talking about love, 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 love. Like it, it, it can feel very ungrounded and airy fairy. And I feel I have an incredibly grounded appreciation of love. And I invite anybody listening to consider the moments in their lives when they feel most at home in themselves, when they feel most okay, when they feel most connected, when they feel the most meaning in their lives. When I do that, it always is rooted in an experience that is love-based. And so knowing that and being a person who wants to feel good as often as possible, like I think most of us, it is for me just a, a consistent reminder, like, well, what is love inviting you to do right now? How can you steer yourself back there? I love that. And I think, first of all, I don't think you can go too airy-fairy for this podcast, but it could be wrong. (laughs) Thank you for that invitation. Yeah. So yeah, go go for it here. And um, I think you'll be well-received. But I also think, you know, there's a lot of misunderstandings about love out there in the general world, right? Most people think it's romantic love or the kind of attached love. Mm-hmm. right? I love you. I don't love you. I used to love you. Now I love you. Like for me, yeah. that's kind of sort of maybe a little teeny tiny part of it. But I think of love as who and what we really are. I think it's like the core of being. It's the core of, of who we are as spiritual beings and where we all come from. That's how I understand love. So yeah, when you peel away all of the conditioning and all the different layers, I mean, what's left really? I mean, for me, love is just energy. And it's an energy that is everywhere within us and outside of us. And so the act of love is simply choosing to align with that energy, which is for me, a divine energy to align with. Why wouldn't we align with it when it feels as good as it feels? And there's something about what you're saying that's making me cry because it's so beautiful to think about it that way, right? Aligning with the energy of love. Yeah. It's like aligning with the energy of source or spirit or nature, whatever terms you use to to describe that we are not just human beings. We are also divine beings. We are a combination of both. And 
both are, are important, but I think sometimes we really forget our divinity. We forget that there is a source energy surging through our beings at all times. There is this loving energy, this creative energy surging through our beings at all times. And it's not always easy to choose it, but it's, it's always possible because it's always there. It doesn't leave us. Yeah. I love that. My guides are saying, and I don't know if this is kind of following up to what you're saying, but they're saying it's almost as if love is that expression of that divine energy, right? Acting in love is when we express, when we bring that here. Yes. Yes. It's the song of it. Because for me, I really believe there's an energy just slightly deeper than love. In, and again, this, this is how I experience it in my being, which is just stillness, just quiet, just peace. That's what I look feel as my soul. It's just so okay with everything that is. There's no resistance. And then layered on top of it in the most beautiful way, like this delicious chocolate ribbon, is just love. And that's like almost the voice that divinity uses to express itself. And I don't know, that's kind of how I feel it. I think that is beautiful. Wow, I don't know. I don't know what to say to that other than just like admire, admire the beauty of that, of the way that you express that. It's just, uh, I just need to stop for a second and yeah. just take that in. And I agree one trillion percent. And I think too, you know, we had a while ago on the show, Robert Schwartz, who is the author of Your Soul's Gift, Your Soul's Plan, Your Soul's Love. And he talks about pre-birth planning, the idea that our souls plan aspects of our lives before we're born. And his work was a big influence on me and the way that I work and the way that I practice. But I remember at the end of the show, he was like, that's kind of what you're saying. He was saying, you know, you want to keep asking yourself in those moments, what would love choose, right? What would love do? And I think that's one of the most powerful questions that we can ask. Absolutely. And one of the most frequent questions I ask myself, it's just like, what is love inviting in this moment? Because when you ask it, at the very least, what you're likely to do is interrupt whatever insane mental cycle you were on in that moment that was calling on you to ask that question, you know, And, and then if you're courageous enough to answer it and align yourself with what that answer shows you, then there's, there's great possibility what you create from that place is going to be beautiful and healing. You know, in my experience, Victoria, love is always creating something pure, something beautiful and something healing. It's the only way it works. But those things don't always look like that in the moment necessarily. And I think that's where we can get caught up is just trusting that when I'm operating from love, what I'm creating in my life is what is needed, even if it's painful even if people are not responding in a, what feels like a healthy way or a good way, it's not really about that. It's trusting the energy of that love and what it creates. Right. And you keep going back to it too. So if you, you know, ask what would love do or work in alignment with love, and then you go out into a world that doesn't seem to reflect that you, you just keep going back to it. Absolutely. And you can apply it to all areas of life because you're, you're going to get I'll speak for myself. I get nudged off the love train constantly in this world, you know, and provoked and triggered and all of those things by any number of experiences and people. And I mean, that's the nature of being human. But when you continuously return and continue to ask yourself that question, you can hopefully trust that at least you're doing your part to be the example of what it is you want to see in our world. And you can also apply that 
to every area of living. You can apply it to activism. You can apply it to your work, whatever your work is. You can apply it to every one of your relationships and it's going to improve all of those things. Right. And I would say to that question, you know, what would love do? Or how can I act in alignment with love? How can I be an expression from love? Those are not mental questions. Those are not things that you need to sit down and ponder over. That's really, that's an intuitive question. That is aligning yourself, that's setting that intention. And that's, you know, there's a bit of a surrender where you wait for the answer to come, right? It's a feeling knowing of the heart rather than knowing of the mind. It's not something you have to decipher. A hundred percent. And it's such a great distinction. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Cause I think it's important because I think sometimes people are puzzling, well, what, what would be the right thing to do now? And when you go into that mindset, you're in your mind and what's right or wrong and judgment and what you've been taught. And sometimes I have found, especially recently in my life, sometimes the loving choice is not always the one that I think is the nicest. And I'm, I'm a pretty nice person <laughs> like most of the time. And sometimes I'm not a nice person. I know I'm not, I'm not following the path of love in those moments because I am human too. But I do think there are times when the loving choice isn't what our minds have been taught is the loving choice, right? Because a lot of us, especially women have been taught sacrifice. We've been self-sacrifice. We've been taught don't make other people uncomfortable. We've been taught, I don't know. Those are two good ones. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm first and foremost, I'm about self-love. Right. The energy of love, again, is in my feeling and understanding, is always serving everyone. So when I talk about self-love and when I when I get resistance from people around self-love, and it's typically with women in a specific way, it's the fear of being selfish or being perceived as selfish because women are, are conditioned to be caretakers. And like you said, to sacrifice and make sure everyone else's needs are taken care of before their own. But for me, you know, one of my favorite quotes is from the Buddha. He said, if you truly loved yourself, you could never hurt another. And for me, that's really the essence of love. It's understanding that when we're so steeped in love of self, all we'll have to offer the world in return is love, but not from a place of self-sacrifice that our minds and egos want to take us to from a place of deep self-reverence and understanding in that self-reverence our inherent worth that we are enough as we are we are worthy as we are we are lovable as we are and when we make choices from that place we simply don't allow in our lives the same things we allowed when we were making choices from that unworthy place. And that's one of the greatest gifts of self-love is it really does root us in our sense of worth. And then everything that we experience in life changes. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I sometimes think of that sacrifice kind of mindset. It's the flip side of narcissism but it's also, they're both rooted in scarcity. They're both rooted in this idea that I can't take care of myself, right? And do what is most aligned for me because it'll take that away from somebody else. When in fact, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. When you're acting in alignment and you're aligning with love and you are truly honoring yourself in the highest sense, you're not going to be able to harm anybody else. And if you rub someone else the wrong way in that action, it's, it's just the correction that they need. It's not harmful. No, and you will rub people the wrong way. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> not everyone wants to cheerlead your growth and your healing. Not everyone wants to cheerlead a person who is in alignment with love, who is in alignment with source, because it shines a spotlight on the areas and others that are out of alignment. And that is in no way, again, to suggest I'm always in alignment with love and source. But I've seen throughout my life, like 
you know, I've waited for cheerleaders and have got, had many in my close circle, but also others that it's healing is very provocative. It's, it's very provocative in general, and it's provocative for the people in your life because even though we don't want to admit it, the people we love the most, we don't really want them to change. When instead of saying like, you've changed in like this celebratory tone, it's like, you've changed in this suspicious right. tone. We want to keep people in the boxes that feel most comfortable to us. And so if they're expanding beyond those comfort zones and beyond those boxes, it can be very triggering. Yeah, it can for some people. And I don't think everyone wants that, but there is that part of us that wants the comfort. The ego wants the comfort of stability. Yes, absolutely. And not everyone's on a growth path. Absolutely. So sometimes your growth path is going to stretch someone else further than they're ready or willing to go. And not everyone needs to be on a growth path. And like I find with spiritual people like us, you know, a lot of times it's we the collective we can get provoked by people who aren't on a healing path instead of just being an acceptance of whatever anyone's journey is in this lifetime and that we don't hold the keys to what's right for another person. Yes. Amen to that. Amen to that. It's so true. It's so true. And again, it's, it's also about what you said before. It's about being that place of peace, silence, surrender, acceptance, where you honor what you need to do but you also honor that, you know, the outside world, which is all the people in the world and all the experiences, even that you're having internally, you make peace with them. If they're happening now, that's as it should be. And the only thing that you need to pay attention to is your own orientation to what's happening in the now. Yeah, absolutely. And getting, getting more comfortable with the parts of me that aren't able to make peace with certain things too. Like acceptance runs very deeply. It's like, yes, I want to accept everything about myself, but can I also accept the parts of me that can't accept everything about myself? That's acceptance. And the parts yeah. that can't accept the parts that can't accept, you know, like yeah. this is for me, the level of acceptance I would say I strive for because in those deeper levels, you know, when you're fully accepting by how you feel in your body, like when you're just peaceful, like, and you're relaxed, it's like, you've reached a level of acceptance. And, you know, we're, I'm in New Mexico and we, we've been having horrible wildfires for weeks and weeks now in Northern New Mexico. I'm looking out my window at a fire in the distance, the smoke billowing beyond these mountains. And I was watching a sunset recently and it was so like that red, I don't know if you've ever seen a sunset through smoke, like fire smoke. It's this bright red, like ball that you would only see in that circumstance in that way. And I was watching it from inside because outside smelled kind of like a campfire and I didn't want to be breathing it in. And I was looking at the beauty and then at the same time, thinking about the reason why this sun is so beautiful and not able to just surrender to the beauty. Cause I'm like, this symbolizes all this tragedy that's happening in the state and people are evacuating and all of this stuff. And gradually I got myself to this place of just like, just enjoy the sunset, honey. Like, yes, it's true that this sunset exists because of the tragedy, but it's no less beautiful in this moment of your experience of it. And we are so conditioned to steer our minds toward everything that is not okay on this planet that it takes more intention to actually hold ourselves open to the beauty of what we're experiencing in the moment too. And it was such an important reminder for me in that moment. And, and just a reminder of how expansive we are as beings and what we're able to hold. Like we, we can hold it all. We can hold it all. And if we make ourselves available to holding it all, 
I, in my experience, I'm much less overwhelmed by all the darkness here. Yes. Does that make sense? It makes a thousand percent sense. Absolutely. And I think we're conditioned too to question our own happiness, our own joy in the moment, if anyone else is struggling or suffering. And it's the opposite. When you can find beauty in a difficult space, I think it actually is a gift to whatever's going on. You're uplifting the planet. You don't have to force it. There are times when, you know, life feels sucky and and, and we are in resistance and like you got to love yourself through that. Absolutely. And be with yourself and love the parts of yourself that are not happy with whatever's going on right now. It's it's all good. But in the moments that you do find that spontaneous joy, even in a difficult situation, see, I think that's a gift to the planet as well as a gift to yourself. I agree because it's all energy. It's all energy. Right. And the more this planet is in need of more joy and more compassion and more love and all of those those things that can be very difficult to stay connected to when we are being assaulted from all directions with messages about how everything is awful here, which isn't to suggest there's not a lot that isn't dark and violent and disgusting here. Believe me. I mean, I don't need to preach that to anybody. Um, but what happens when we become more intentional about seeking out the beauty that's here too. You know, what happens, I'll answer that question, is that you find more beauty. It's the only possible outcome, right? That's where that intention leads. And that is where I think love would have you go when you're really, really listening. Love doesn't always say, you got to go fix this problem. Sometimes it does. Sometimes my guidance is, I, I feel called to serve in a particular way and I follow it. And I take those actions. Most of the time for me, I don't get that at all. It's about finding the beauty in this or going back to myself and finding my own equilibrium through whatever's going on or just saying a prayer and honoring that we're all at different levels of awareness right now. We're all having different experiences and just honoring the integrity of everyone's experience and, you know, sending some love out through that. But I think that there's a voice sometimes. I know it goes in my head and I know exactly what pieces of my personal conditioning set this one up, but I think it's a collective thing as well of it's not okay to feel good if people around you or other people are not happy. You know, I think that's a big one for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. I I think that we feel guilty or ashamed if we're feeling joy. And, you know, Abraham Hicks has said this in a thousand different ways. He's a channel and has a lot of, I think, very valuable information to offer. But one of the things I've heard them say over and over and over again, which I really truly believe is that your misery is not what pulls people out of their misery. Like you can't, you can't be miserable and make someone unmiserable. That's not how it works. It's not how energy works. All it does is fuel more misery. And again, I say this all with the, with the understanding of, I don't think there's value in forcing what is not real for you, which is to, you know, there's a lot of talk about toxic positivity. And my sense of what that really is, is it's, it's alive in a falseness. It's like trying to force an emotion or an experience that isn't actually what you're, you're living. And I don't think you can fake it. I mean, you can't convince this is, is a vibrational reality. It's an energetic reality. And so no matter what you're speaking, if you're vibrating in a different way, your energy is what's going to be conveyed, you know, most strongly in my experience. Yes, I think that there's great, great, great value if what you are feeling is joy 
to give yourself over to it as much as possible because this does impact other people in the same way that our misery impacts other people. You know, and if what you're feeling is, is unhappy, miserable, sad, great, be with it. This is not about pulling yourself out of something that is real for you. It's about acknowledging that our minds are naturally going to steer toward misery, fear, insecurity, anxiety. It's where they go naturally. We don't have to effort at that. I have yet to meet one person who's told me, I'm really working at being more negative in my life because I'm just <laughs> not negative enough. Like that doesn't exist, right? right? But what, what we do need to work at, practice at, is steering our minds in the directions of thoughts and words and actions that are more aligned with love and joy and connection and meaning and see what that creates in our lives. Yeah, that's beautifully put. And I think too, you can be having a rough moment and feeling the feels while also redirecting yourself. Yeah. Just like it's not a disservice to somebody else to find the beauty in the sunset, even if you know people are being evacuated from their homes. Yes. It's also not a disservice to yourself to say, yes, sweetie, I, I see that you're hurting right now, you know, and I want to honor that. Hey, let's go out and look at a sunset, <laughs> right? 100%. 100%. Like why, why wouldn't, I, I, I ask why wouldn't I a lot, like right? with questions like this, because it's like, why wouldn't I often to always somewhere in that that spectrum be considering what choices I can make in the moment that create more peace in my being or more joy in my being. Like this for me has become a much more natural way of living because when you ask yourself those questions and make choices in alignment with those answers, you change your life for the better. Yeah. A hundred thousand percent. I think I've said that a <laughs> hundred thousand times. I think I got even a trillion percent at one point. Yeah. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I want to go back to something really weird that's popping into my brain. Because okay. one of the things that I, I love about you and I love about what you do is the impact that you've had on social media. We often think about social media in such a Debbie Downer kind of way. And I know as someone who may or may not have a little bit of an issue with Facebook, very highly curated Facebook and, and all uplifting people, but still I, I probably check in a little more often than I should. Um, but I have to watch and moderate because I know even though my feed is very clean, I know sometimes it saps my energy a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I also think that social media is such a powerful place to connect with people and to uplift people and to get the message out there. And I think it almost speaks to what we've been saying up until now about you can find the beautiful sunset, you know, in the firestorm. I think that's kind of what you're doing, my friend. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, and I, I mean, I, I struggle with social media too. I, I recognize the benefits of it and the beauty of it and the connection. And I've, I've been served in beautiful ways and have served in beautiful ways through social media and I'm grateful for that. 
and all the things that aren't to like about social media right, as right. well. You know, I, I feel those and I, I, I focus my energy on connecting with it in a way that feels as good as possible. My read with you, and I hope I can say this, and if I can't, we'll cut it out. But my read with you, Scott, is that when you started doing this initially and when you do it now, it's a labor of love. I mean, it's like, it's just fun and exciting for you to, to put that out and to share that with people. It's almost like the little people that paint, you know, little happy, uplifting rocks and leave them all over the neighborhood. <laughs> it's that same kind of energy. It's it's quite beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I do, I mean, I do love it. Like when I do live videos on, on Facebook and people tune in from wherever they're tuning in from and the energy that the energy exchange that happens in that space and I'm always high at the end of it, like really, really high throughout it and at the end of it, because I feel like it is a very tangible way to offer love, yeah, you know, and receive love, you know, and for that, I'm, I'm grateful. And like you, I mean, I have my, my pages curated very <laughs> specifically <Yeah. laughs> for, for sure, you know. But yeah. it's a, it's a, it's trial and error. I wrote this, I have this newsletter I send out and the title of it of last week's thing was what's the point? Because that's a, a question that comes to mind when I, sometimes when I'm in this moment of feeling just desperate about the world and just looking outside and thinking, my God, we humans are so insane. Like, and what's the point of anything in the face of this kind of insanity? And so the response, the whole email was like, I went into meditation and approached that question from a place of real curiosity instead of despair and came up with all of these things. And the one I wrote something about social media and it was essentially like, uh, the point is to find peace with the fact that you cannot stand social media as well as the fact that you're completely addicted to it and find <laughs> pe and peace with the fact that you can't find peace with either of those truths. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. No, I actually think it's a great opportunity and a great vehicle and a great mm. vessel for reaching lots of people in a really loving and aligned way. Yeah, it is that. It is that. There's also a lot of energies that take us away from that on social media. And, you know, there are some platforms I, I choose over others just energetically that feel mm. resonant to me and some that I'm not touching with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. But I, I do think it's just, it's just another vehicle, just another outlet to do what we do. And again, yeah. I think it's True. just beautiful that, that you're out there and, and getting the word out. I think it's just, just beautiful. Thank you very much. Huh. Now I've got warring questions in my brains. And is there anything else that you feel called to talk about while I'm listening to my warring questions? No, I guess just a reminder to everyone's listening. I said this earlier, but I really want to just repeat that your worth is not dependent on anything you have done in your life or do in your life. It's not dependent on your looks, your brains, your relationship, how beautiful your children are, whatever it is that we attach worth to. All of those things are wonderful if they're adding to your life in a meaningful way. And you're born worthy. You will die worthy. Your worth is inherent. And if you can really, really come to understand that and own that in your being, it's a life-changing understanding. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's hard because I think everything, or it can be hard. I don't like to put that out there, but it can be difficult because everything in life 
tells us that that's not the case. That's the name of the game, right? Everything tells us. Our media tells us. Sometimes our family members tell us. Our teachers sometimes tell us. Like everything tells us you need to chase this to be happy. You need to do this to be worthy. Like this is good. This is bad. And so I think it's it's such an incredible act of bravery, leap of faith to take that leap to say, no, I am worthy. And even if you don't feel it right now, just say, well, Scott and Victoria say so. So, you know, maybe it's true. (laughs) Willingness is such a powerful starting point, I think, for things, because a lot of people will say, I, you know, I can't love myself. I don't know how I'm like, well, are you willing to, you know, willingness is also an intention. If you're not able to say with honesty that, you're worthy, but are you willing to acknowledge your worth? That's a starting point. And that sets you on a path to discovering your worthiness because I don't how to say this. It's like, if I'm repeating to myself, I'm worthy again and again and again, but it's not what I really feel. I don't think it's very effective. And I also think it can create anxiety and despair in myself in the disconnect. But I can honestly say, I'm willing to see myself as worthy. I want to see myself as worthy. And then the natural extension of that is, well, you know, or I'm willing to to love myself. I'm willing to hold myself in this air of self-love. Beautiful. A natural extension of that is just starting to make choices that reflect it. Right. Is this an act of self-love? And, and what I find, Victoria, so often people don't take the time to acknowledge the ways in which they actually are loving themselves. They actually are showing up with love. Like anybody listening now, if there's anybody out there who's listening to this right now who feels like you don't know how to love yourself, the fact that you're listening to Victoria's podcast is an act of self-love. That is you loving yourself. So it's not true that you don't know how to love yourself. You're actually doing it. And when we take the time to honor those choices, to really sit in them, even for 10 seconds, just to acknowledge whoa, this is me loving myself right now. Um, That's a game changer. Game changed. Yeah, that's beautiful. (laughs) No, that's beautiful. And it's true. We know we identify, okay, I have another problem now. I don't love myself. I don't think I'm worthy. Let me go solve that problem. Yeah. Focus on the problem and then marinate in the problem. And what you're saying is find where you're already the solution. Find where it's already flowing for you, right? Set the intention to align with that. And then that naturally is going to create for you more opportunities and more decisions in your life that are also rooted in self-love because it's all energy and momentum to energy. When you're acknowledging your self-love, you're creating energy around self-love, which creates energy for you to make more choices that reflect self-love. It's momentum. It really is. Yeah, it's beautiful. What do you tell to the person who says, and I want to get this from the guide, so hold on. From the person who says, oh my goodness, this is nothing, I don't know, I would ever say, but this is how it comes through. The person that says like, this is all gobbledygook. I'm not going to waste my time loving myself. We shouldn't love ourselves. We shouldn't love other people. Like we should just, I don't know who would be saying this, but (laughs) (laughs) this is what comes through. But you know, like life has got to be hard. It's supposed to be hard. Like let's let go of all that frou-frou stuff. I don't know if this is your imaginary, uh, naysayer. It's not necessarily mine, but it came through. So what would you say to them? (laughs) I would say, start paying deeper attention to your life and look at how you feel when you're operating from a place of hate and judgment and condemnation. And look at how you feel when you're operating from a place of kindness, compassion, and love. And how do you want to feel? 
Wow. Like, do you want to feel sick and unhealthy or do you want to feel connected and aligned? I am not doing what I'm doing in the world because I'm this selfless Buddha. I am doing it because I want to feel good and love feels good. Yes. So that for me, honestly, Victoria, is one of one of the, the things I have the hardest time with when I look at humanity is I believe we all know intuitively, but also just in lived experience, we all know that love is what feels the best in this human reality. We know it, we've lived it, we've experienced it. We're all so hungry to be loved and to love others. We know it, which is why it feels so astoundingly insane that most of us are regularly creating justifications for not loving. It doesn't make any intuitive sense, right? So to that, to that naysayer you presented, I would say, pay attention to your life and how do you, how do you want to feel? And if you want to feel good, start being more loving because that is the answer and you will see. And it's not only about yourself. Self-love is not only about yourself. It always transcends self. You are serving the planet by loving yourself in that way. And I believe if you're honest with yourself in your assessment of the choices you're making and how they're making you feel, the only possibility is that you'll come to discover, ah, when I am aligned with the energy of love, my life feels better. Yeah. Oh, Scott, that's beautiful. Someone needed to hear that. That's just absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Okay, I could do this forever and I have a bunch more questions, but we can't we can't do it all in one <laughs> shot. All right. I'm going to share a little something just as a little aside because it it won't go away. So I went through a little I like to call it my nervous system blip, but it wasn't just my nervous system. It was, it was the whole system this winter and uh found myself in a really interesting emotional state of mind. All well, all good. Got through it, but one of the things that was super helpful in getting through it and, and that my guides were showing me again and again, and I really do think there are a lot of things going on in this period of time, but I think one of the real things I was called to do is deepen that self-love. And I, I think of myself as a pretty self-loving person, but there were just, we all have these little parts of ourselves that have been, you know, mm -hmm. deep down in hiding and they don't feel lovable. And then they come out and they scare the crap out of us. And then we have to love them too. So <laughs> that was like part and parcel of my journey. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. But one of the practices that my guides kept giving me that was so powerful that for some reason I really want to share with you was writing myself love notes. Oh, yeah. And I really spent a couple months. Mine were really colorful with lots of, you know, really, really pretty drawings around them too, but pages and pages of, of love notes. And it came through intuitively. Sometimes, you know, I would force quote unquote, I would have an idea of what I needed to hear. But a lot of times I would just say what I needed to hear. So it came through intuitively pages and pages. And on the eve of Valentine's day of this year, I couldn't sleep and was catapulted out of my bed in the middle of the night by my guides. Cause this is, this is how I, I live my life. And most people on the show know that. And, you know, they were like, get out of bed and, and get a piece of paper. And, and I hadn't slept, you know, I was rolling for hours. So I was like, okay, whatever you say, it's gotta be better than this. And I sat down and I started doing these love notes to myself, pages and pages and pages. And can I tell you, it was the most amazing feeling, the most amazing moment, the most, you know, do I feel like that 24 seven? Not yet. You know, I am hopeful to feel like that more and more, but it was the most powerful practice and the best darn gift anyone could have given me. And I gave to myself on, you know, Valentine's day. I love that. And that's something you can refer. I, that's an exercise I've 
given to people in some of my workshops. And it's a, it's something you can refer to again and again, especially when you're feeling like you have no love to offer yourself, which is what your mind will be trying to convince you. Right. You can refer to this and say, no, this is the truth of my experience. Right. These lies are from my mind, are from my ego. But the truth is, here is the love that I have for myself. That's a beautiful practice. Yeah. I, you know, I do want to say just about life is hard. There is no way to be human and not experience difficulty. So the reality that we are born into here, it is a difficult reality. And like you, I like to say can be hard often because because there is choice also involved in this. But I don't believe with the exception of maybe five people on the planet who are potentially fully realized and living in a complete state of bliss, the rest of us are working at this. And part of, for me, being with the difficulty of life that has made it easier for me to be with the hardness of this reality is knowing that I've got my back, is, is knowing that no matter what choices I make, no matter what risks I take, no matter how I'm feeling, how sad I am, how angry I am, that I am there for myself in a loving and compassionate way. I am there to remind myself like, it's okay, honey, you're human. This too is okay. I've got you. That for me is the voice of love. And that's the exercise you did in those letters. And if there's, if there's one thing I can recommend to people, it's really to build and deepen the relationship you have with yourself because you're always coming back to yourself. And who are you coming back to? Are you coming back to that ego voice that is conditioned to shame you and abuse you and belittle you? Or are you going to be coming back to that voice within you that is rooted in your heart to remind you that you are so lovable and beautiful and rooted in your soul to remind you that you are so okay, that this too is okay. Like this is the strength we can build within ourselves because it's always there. So the more we connect with that, this hard world that, that is likely to be through all of our lifetimes still violent and insane, like those aspects will be there. This hard world is made easier by how we learn to relate to ourselves. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with that more. It's beautiful. Beautiful. So I do have one more question. I asked this to everyone on the show, so you don't get to escape it. Okay. How do you experience your intuition? Oh my goodness. I experience my intuition a lot, <laughs> all the time. I've been watching you experience your intuition, but I don't know what it feels like from the inside. It's in, it's in my body. It feels like a, just a bodily being led by what's happening in, in my body and in my heart and in my feelings and, and allowing myself to respond from that place. I experience my intuition when I have released myself from the constraints of my mind and ego and start feeling my way into and through things. I think that's beautifully put. All right. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. This was such yeah, a fun conversation. Thank you. I am like the luckiest person in the world. Yeah. I felt like it was two minutes long. Yeah. It was so quick. <laughs> it was yeah, really thanks. fast. I know you're an extremely busy guy, um, but who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll beg you to come back again because I got a okay. lot more questions. Sure thing. No, but thank you so much. All right. If people want to find you, work with you, okay. how do they do that? Tell us a little bit about it. if people want more Scott Stabile, where do they go? What do they do? Yeah. Well, 
couple of things. And thank you for that offering. Um, find me on Substack. It's scottstabile.substack.com. That's where I have my bigger love newsletter. The things shared there, 90% of them aren't shared on social media. So it's its own thing. And you can get free subscriptions to the newsletter. If you love the content, you can get a paid subscription as well if you choose to. And then I'm really, we didn't talk about this, but I'm obsessed with breath work and trained recently to become a breath work guide. And on Tuesday evenings online, I offer this, it's really an, a journey. It's called Breath and Belonging. And we take these breath work journeys every Tuesday evening via Zoom. So you can find it all on my website, like okay. these types of events and stuff. But join me for a breath work journey. Did you say what your website was just in case people aren't going to look at the show notes and they need the audio? Thank you for that. It's scottstabile.com, S-C-O-T-T-S-T-A-B-I-L-E.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook, so you can find me wherever. Perfect. Yeah. And I think I cut you off. So say that again, too. You were saying you're doing a breath work. Have you done breath work, Victoria? Like, I've done some. I've done some. It's so freaking wild. Like, I mean, it is, I just encourage anyone listening to dive into the breath in a different way. And if my session is something that gets you interested in a new way, great, but find your way to breathing. And there's so many different techniques, but the one that I do is this, it's a very active two-part inhale and exhale all in and out through the mouth. And we do about a half an hour of active breathing that takes you out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> like people trip. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. And I mean, what's so exciting about it is it just allows you to release a lot of the stuck energy that's in your being. So sounds like amazing stuff. Yeah, it's fun. Scott, any parting words before we wrap up? Well, just thank you to you. And I love you. And I love the work you're doing. And to everyone listening, just wishing you so much love. And, uh, you know, a reminder to just whisper to yourself as often as possible. It's okay, honey, you're human. I love that. Thank you, Scott, so much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and letting me do what I love to do. And namaste. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again, and namaste. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcast.